I want to invite you to grab your copy of God's Word this morning. Join me once again in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 18. This morning, we will continue walking our way through the book of Genesis as we have starting at the beginning of this year. If you're new to North River Church, I want you to know that that is our practice, that is our habit to walk through books of the Bible verse by verse. We believe that all of Scripture is breathed by God, that it is profitable for us And that when God's word is proclaimed, his promise is that it will not return void. It will accomplish everything that it is meant to accomplish. As we've been walking our way through the book of Genesis, we have seen God's faithfulness on display over and over and over again. What we just sang about, we have seen come real in the pages of Scripture, and we're going to see it come real once again as we walk through the text this morning. As we prepare to do that, I don't know if you've ever noticed, but brands seek to make you think that they will always come through. They have a product that they want you to buy, and they want you to come under the illusion that this product, if you will buy just this one product, It will change your life forever. I mean, just think about some of the phrases that are used. I need your help as we walk through this. There's insurance companies that promise to give you everything you need if something goes wrong. If you've ever had to file an insurance claim, you know that's a lie, right? But like a good neighbor... Are you in good? There we go. Listen, some of you are churning within right now because you're thinking, Pastor, I came to get some Jesus and I'm struggling with these companies already. How about this one? Gillette, the best a man can get. Some of y'all are like, I've never heard that before. 1989, okay? Just put that out there. Chevrolet says like a Rock, Timex, takes a licking and keeps on ticking. You know, it's interesting, these brands want us to think that if we will just buy their product or their service, that we won't have to worry about anything, they will come through. And the old adage that's been said is true, there's only two things that are certain in this life, death and taxes. But I want to submit to you this morning, there's a third thing that is always true, always faithful, will always deliver, and that is our God. Absolutely certain that our God will always come through, that he is faithful to do what he said he would do. I want to read the text for us this morning, and we'll walk back through it together as we consider God's word as we look at the impact it had on Abraham and Sarah and this child that had been promised to them. Genesis chapter 18, verse 1, and the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre as he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. 
He lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, O Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree while I bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh yourselves and after that that you may pass on since you have come to your servant. So they said, do as you have said. And Abraham went quickly into the tent to Sarah and said, quick, three seahs of fine flour kneaded and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to a young man who prepared it quickly. And then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared, and he set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. They said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, she is in the tent. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, no, but you did laugh. Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes, that we would be able to see, that you would open our ears, that we would be able to hear, and that you would open our hearts and our minds, that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit, we ask all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. If you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write down this main idea that will frame our time together in these verses in Genesis chapter 18. If you remember absolutely nothing else this morning, I want you to remember this truth. Nothing, nothing, nothing is too hard for our God. Nothing is too hard for our God. I want to remind you of where we are in the text this morning, give you a glimpse of what's been transpiring in Abraham's life and Sarah's life. If you remember back a few chapters ago that we covered that God had spoken to Abraham. He was Abram at that point. The Lord would change his name later, but he had spoken to Abraham and he had said, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you into a great nation. Through you, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. Now, we have the privilege of looking back and recognizing and understanding that that promise that the Lord made to Abraham would ultimately find its fulfillment in Jesus Christ coming to this earth in the lineage of Abraham, the Savior 
of the world, the blessing for all nations, anyone who trusts in Jesus Christ for their salvation will be saved. We have the privilege to look back. The problem was for Abraham and for Sarah, his wife, they were waiting. They were waiting for God to fulfill his promise. And they waited a year and it still hadn't happened. And then two years and it still hadn't happened. And then five years and then 10 years and 15 and 20. We are a quarter of a century later, almost 25 years, that they have been waiting for God to do what he said he would do. And remember, there's been moments where Abraham and Sarah decided they would take matters into their own hands. There were moments where they decided God wasn't going to come through, so we better put our best foot forward and try to help God out and never lose sight of the fact that your plan B is never better than God's plan A. And at this point in time, The Lord has reminded Abraham in the previous verses that he was going to fulfill his promise. In fact, had told Abraham that this time next year, you are going to have a son through Sarah. But it's interesting, the Lord hasn't spoken yet to Sarah. Everything that Sarah has heard up until this point has come through Abraham to her. But this moment will change it all for her. She will hear with her own ears the Lord's promise. She will hear God say, I am going to do it. Verse 1 of chapter 18, the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre. That's where Abraham and Sarah were living at this point in time. It says that he was sitting by the door, that's Abraham, of his tent in the heat of the day. It's interesting because I used to go visit my grandfather and without fail, we would work in the pecan grove and it's pecan, if you're a pecan farmer, it's pecan, if you don't know what you're talking about, okay? Just put that out there, right? We're working in the pecan grove, dragging limbs to the burn pile. We're doing what needs to be done out there, mowing, whatever has to take place. And come lunchtime, he'd say, well, I think you earned lunch. We'd eat lunch, and then he would say, it's time for my siesta. Means he was going to take a nap. And he took a nap sitting in his chair, recliner, kicked it back, and for an hour he was done. At this point, that's what's going on with Abraham. It's the heat of the day. He had worked in the morning already, and he was taking a break in the shade. And it says in verse 2 that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. You've been there before, if you've taken a nap, sitting in the recliner, your head's bobbing, and all of a sudden a kid is right there in your face when you open your eyes. You're like, where did they come from? 
And that's the picture that's painted here for Abraham. There's three men. Now we're going to find out later in the text that one of them is actually the Lord in physical appearance coming. It's very possible that the other two were angels. There's a lot that's transpiring here in the text. But Abraham looks up. He sees that there are three men standing in front of him. And I want you to notice his response. When he saw them, the second part of verse 2, he ran from the tent door to meet them. And he bowed himself to the earth. See, Abraham knew that something was different about this encounter. There was something that was going on with these three men, more than that met the eye. We're going to find that out here in just a little bit. But he says in verse 3, O Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Verse 4, let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree while I bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh yourselves. And after that, you may pass on since you have come to your servant. Now just put this in your mind for a second. You go to your front door in a neighborhood that says no soliciting and what shall you find in your front doorstep? solicitors. They want to sell you solar power. They want to sell you cleaning supplies. Doesn't matter whatever it is. And imagine if you see them and you hit your knees as soon as you opened the door and saw them. And you said, I am so glad that you are here. I have been waiting for you. Not only that, I want you to come inside. Let me get you something to drink and something to eat, and I want you to wash your feet in my sink, and I want you to rest for a bit. You have honored me by your presence. You're like, that's crazy. I want you to know that in this culture, that is exactly what they would do for any visitors that would have shown up. Hospitality was huge for them. They would have extended this invitation, and Abraham does just that, and they respond, do as you have said. Well, what did Abraham say? Rest, I'll bring you, listen, a morsel of bread and a little bit of water. Verse 6, Abraham went quickly into the tent to Sarah and said, Quick, three seas of flour, knead it, and make cakes. What happened to a morsel of bread? Not only that, Abraham ran to the herd and he took a calf, tender and good, and he gave it to a young man who prepared it quickly. And then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and he set it before them and he stood by them under the tree where they were. I mean, he served them a full course meal. Hospitality on display. We are going to see in just a little bit that there's more than meets the eye with these three men who have shown up on Abraham's doorstep. Verse 9, they said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, she is in the tent. And the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. 
and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. It's the same promise that was made in the previous chapter to Abraham. The Lord said to Abraham, I am going to give you a son through Sarah. And at this point, that promise is reaffirmed. But here's the interesting thing. It's reaffirmed loud enough so that Sarah can hear. I want you to notice. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Imagine that, right? I mean, she's kind of peeking, see what's going on out there. It's got her ear trumpet up, right? Trying to listen what's going on, and she hears this man say, this time next year, your wife Sarah will have a son. Notice verse 11. We've talked about this on numerous times as we've walked through the text. The problem that everybody looks at and sees with Abraham and Sarah is that they are old. Now when you look at that, you realize that this promise that's made to them, it is going to take a miracle of the Lord for it to actually happen. The Lord is going to have to intervene for this promise to be fulfilled. So notice verse 11, Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. Remember, previously in the text, we find out that Abraham is almost 100 years old, that his wife Sarah is 90 years old. I don't know any 190-year-old couple that's thinking, let's have a baby. It doesn't happen. And that's exactly what the writer of the text is reminding us, building up the sense of tension, this promise that has been made to them by the Lord. And I want you to notice it says, not only were they old, advanced in years, but the way of women had ceased to be with Sarah biologically. It couldn't work. So much so that verse 12, Sarah laughed to herself, saying, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? She threw herself under the bus. She threw Abraham under the bus. She's like, this doesn't work. Verse 13 the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? I want you to notice verse 14. If you have a pen, highlighter, lipstick, mascara, whatever you need to do, underline verse 14. The Lord's response to Abraham is anything too hard for the Lord. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Let me ask you that question. Is anything too hard for the Lord? 
I don't know what situation or circumstance you're walking through right now. I don't know what your marriage looks like. I don't know what your job situation looks like. I don't know how crazy your kids may be. I don't know about the family dynamics that are at play in your life. The struggles that you are walking through, the question marks that you have wondering, can God work in this situation? May these words from the Lord encourage us and challenge us and comfort us. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Of course, the church answer that we all want to give is no. There's nothing that's too hard for the Lord until we find ourselves in a spot where we really do wonder, is God going to come through? Is God going to do what he promised that he would do? Is God going to deliver? I want you to notice In response to that question, the Lord says, at the appointed time, I will return to you. About this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. I'll follow back up, and I promise it will be done. You know, it's interesting when we look at this, because in verse 15, Sarah denies, saying, I didn't laugh. You ever had a kid who did something wrong and they go, I didn't do that. What are you talking about? She was afraid. But he said, I heard you laugh. And then at that point in time, the conversation ends. And so as I was thinking through this passage, I started thinking, what impact does this have on our lives? As we think through God's faithfulness, as we think through God delivering through his promises to his people, how does it impact us? And how do we, in the midst of difficult circumstances and situations where we don't see God's hand at work, or we can't understand how he could use what we're walking through right now for his glory and for our good, how do we navigate through that? How do we walk and take the next step? I think there's three things that we need to keep in mind. And the first one is this, we have seen the faithfulness of God in the past. We have seen the faithfulness of God in the past. We have seen God come through. We have seen the faithfulness and the power of God on display through his word so far in the book of Genesis. And what's amazing is that as we continue to walk through the scriptures, we see over and over again God's faithfulness on display, God coming through and fulfilling his promises to his people. We see that in small instances. We see that here in Abraham and Sarah's life. We're going to see it play out in the next weeks together. We're going to see that play out throughout Scripture and God's ultimate promise be fulfilled that His Son would come as the Messiah and through Him, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. 
If you've been a follower of Jesus for any length of time, you have seen the faithfulness of God in your life. I mentioned this to you last week, and I want to encourage you to do this, to document the moments of time in your life where you've seen the faithfulness of God on display. Moments when you didn't think God could come through and he For me, one of the things that I do is journal usually every single day. And it's interesting to go back a couple of years ago and to read through journal entries that I've written and see the things that were bothering me or things that I didn't see that God was going to be able to come through and make happen. And to look at those now and go, why did I worry about that? Because God came through. God did what he promised that he would do. He may have come in this morning and for you, you've never taken the step of trusting Jesus Christ as your savior. As we talk about God's faithfulness in the past, I want you to hear me this morning that you see the greatest demonstration of God's faithfulness, God's grace, God's mercy in sending his son Jesus Christ to this earth. That is the pinnacle of the promise of God fulfilled. Where Jesus took your sin upon himself on the cross and laid his life down for you so that you could be forgiven and experience abundant life and relationship with your creator. You have the privilege of experiencing the faithfulness of God in the past. That's a step that you need to take. We'd love to help you take that step to answer questions that you may have about what that looks like. You know, it's interesting for, uh, for you at this point in time, if, uh, if you have a 401k, maybe a 201k now, But one of the things that an investment advisor, if you work or if you read the documents that they give to you, which no one does, there's a little phrase that they put when they show you the returns of investments. There's a little phrase that they put at the bottom of the piece of paper. And this is the phrase, past performance is not indicative of future results. Which means just because it happened 10 years ago doesn't mean it's going to happen again today. It's an SEC rule, 156. They have to put that there. Because they don't want you to invest your money and to think that you're going to get 10% annualized growth over your lifetime and come up and you get 2% and you want to sue them. But I want you to hear me this morning. God's past performance, His faithfulness, is indicative of what he's going to do moving forward. He does not change. He fulfills his promises. Not only have we seen the faithfulness of God in the past, but secondly, we are seeing the faithfulness of God in the present. We're seeing it right now. We are experiencing it right now. If you woke up this morning, which if you're here, you did. Hello, right? You didn't wake yourself up. Through the night last night, you didn't remind yourself every second or so, hey, breathe, breathe, breathe. It just happened. 
You didn't wake up this morning and go, you know, I sure am glad that I made sure my blood continued to flow through my body last night. It is all a measure of God's grace in our lives. We see it on display right now, the faithfulness of God in the present. And if you're here this morning and you've never taken the step of trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior, this is a moment of God's faithfulness on display right now because you are sitting in this room hearing who God is and God's love for you demonstrated in sending His Son, Jesus Christ. That is a measure of the faithfulness of God in the present. Let me ask you this question. What if you only received tomorrow what you thanked God for today? What if you were only given tomorrow what you thanked God for today? There are a million things that we don't even think about that demonstrate the faithfulness of God, not only to us personally, but in this world in which we live You think about that, if the earth was a little bit closer to the sun, we'd all be fried. If it was further away from the sun, we'd freeze to death. Did you fix that today? We're totally dependent on the faithfulness of God to do what he said he would do, that all of creation rests in his hands, that he holds it all together. We've seen the faithfulness of God in the past. We've seen the faithfulness of God in the present. But I want you to notice the third truth. We will see the faithfulness of God in the future. We will see God come through. One of the most beautiful things that we see played out in the scriptures is God fulfill his promises in the future. Remember that it is a year from now that Abraham's going to experience the promise of God fulfilled. And I want you to hear me this morning. You may be in a spot right now where you just don't see how God is going to work. You don't see how God is going to do what he promised that he would do. You don't see how he's going to fulfill his promises that he's made to you as his people. And I want you you to hear me. He always, always fulfills his promise. Rest in the truth of who he is and what he's going to do. You know, for me, I've told you this, I'm a huge University of Georgia fan. Amen. (laughs) All right. Hey, there's four of us here, so um, we're thankful, and I told you that I'm pretty confident that the Lord sent me here among the heathen Florida Gators (laughs) to share the truth, right? But you know, if, if you don't know, we, uh, we won the national championship last year. Um, I love you. Absolutely, I love you. But here's the thing. There is no guarantee whatsoever that in 2022, we will win again. Now, I'm hopeful. I'm optimistic. And I'm going to cheer for them every single game that they play, but, but I just don't know. Here's the thing. We know beyond a shadow of a doubt 
There is zero uncertainty that God will be faithful in the future to his people. Rest in that today. Grab a hold of that as the anchor for your soul today. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes as our worship team makes their way back up? May wonder today with heads bowed and eyes closed, what is that next step for me, pastor? Well, if you're here this morning and you've never taken the step of trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want you to know that that is the greatest display of God's faithfulness. And you have an opportunity this morning to receive by faith Jesus Christ as your Savior. To have your sins forgiven, to be brought into the family of God through Jesus' sacrificial death, through his resurrection. You today can have eternal life and abundant life. Maybe for you, that's the step that you need to take. Maybe you are a follower of Jesus already this morning and you say, Pastor, what's that step for me? You may have come in questioning, wondering, burdened down by the circumstances at work in your life right now, questioning whether God's going to come through. Questioning whether he's at work, questioning whether he's faithful and good, questioning whether he can take this mess of a situation that you're in right now and work in it and through it for his glory and for your good. And I want you today to grab hold of the truth that your God is faithful. He will come through. He will accomplish what he's promised. He will do what he said he will do. And when you can't see it, and when you don't understand it, and you can't fathom how it would work, rest in who he is and what he's done, knowing that he will do what he promised. Father, we ask this morning that you would work in our hearts and our lives that where there are those who are far from you right now, God, that you would draw them to yourself. Give them the courage to take the step of trusting in Jesus Christ, your son, as their savior. Father, where there are believers who are struggling right now, wondering whether you're going to come through, whether you're going to accomplish what you promised you would accomplish, God, would you help them to experience rest in you today? to know that you are a God who has been faithful. You are a God who is currently being faithful and you are a God who will be faithful to the end. Let us rest in that. We ask that in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand, you sing, our altars open, our pastors are down front, you respond as the Lord leads.